0: On April 21st and 22nd of next year, uh, an organization that I've been a part of for many, many years is celebrating their 20th year. A friend of mine um, created an organization called Laundry Love. And... It was, came out of a question or a statement by a homeless man that said, they asked, you know, how could we come alongside and help? He said, I think if I had clean clothes, people would treat me differently. And so that church community began to provide the money for people to wash their clothes. And that has grown into over 300 sites around the United States. And we added 27 this year. So these people that have been loving on people through the gift of clean clothes are going to come to Dallas and celebrate 20 years, and uh, I'm the host. (laughs) Alongside that, we will have a mini conference slash symposium with about 100 plus people, probably be downtown somewhere. And uh, we are going to talk about love and dignity. Do you think clean clothes bring dignity? Yes, they do. And Father Gregory Boyle, who I am a great fan of, he is the creator and director of Homeboy Industries in L.A., the largest rehabilitation uh, drug related gang related center in the world is accepted our invitation to come and share his heart. Uh, you would not be disappointed, and then uh, there will be a ton of creatives in the room. There' be a lot of people that have learned how to love a little differently. And so I'm so excited about this, but obviously I need to let them know I have friends. (laughs) They're friendly. So I need just a little help. Everyone's invited to come. It'll be cheap. It probably won't be 50 bucks for a Friday evening and all day Saturday, probably a party at the end. Um, It's not expensive, but I do need some hosting help. So if that is something where you feel like you're a little hospitable, and would like to join me in welcoming these people from the West Coast to the East Coast and all my friends in Arkansas, Um, let me know. It'll just make me feel a little more comfortable before April. (laughs) And then on top of that, um, really been, it doesn't matter if I've been or not, I have decided for sure that I want to Start another uh, Laundry Love effort here in Dallas at the first of the year, and um, you can go to LaundryLove.org and learn all about how that works. But I'll be looking to get um, five or six people that be willing to go out once a month for a couple hours and and pay for some people's laundry. Um, you don't have to spend your money; we'll find the money. But what happens is you get in these third space laundry mats, and you just really find out what all God's doing outside of your circle. You find out great need, and you find out how much you are needed. Uh, you just, it's just, a, and everything in the world has happened in a laundromat over the years. Weddings, people getting saved, people getting healed, haircuts, computer training. If you can do it in a laundromat, it's been done. Uh, we've uh, had four churches birthed out of laundry love. Uh, it's just, it's just a great space that's a couple hours. It's especially great for kids to get a handle on what it means to serve others. And no, you don't handle the people's clothes. So if that's uncomfortable, take that out of the equation. So if you would be interested in partnering with me, um, January, we'll decide to do something probably in the Mesquite Garland area and uh, get a couple hours out of your month and join me. So, um, yeah, that's what's happening with me come twenty twenty three. So I have an interesting thing. some of you knew I had a lens implanted into my eye. I had twenty twenty the next day. Now I don't. I don't know. It's just me, man. It just went bad. So uh I'm I'm like not sure. I love being able to not use these, but it's not quite there. We'll, we'll figure it out. Doctor hadn't called me back. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> one of those things, right? Okay. This morning, I'm not really looking to explain God to you, so relax. Actually, I'm going to encourage you not to listen to me very much. I, I really am. Uh, I don't want you to pay a whole lot of attention to me. And don't act like you've never done that before. I know you have. What I want you to do is try to hear God while I'm sharing some of my stories and a couple of opinions. And uh, there'll be some scripture, um, but it's, it's not very sermonized. And I may blow through some of this, and I may slow down on some. It's been a while. Um, I want to talk about listening to God. What a perfect day, right? We we're just we've been hearing from God already. And uh for me, one of the ways that I think is is more assured way to listen to God because I think there's so many ways. I think God sometimes literally is speaking all the time everywhere, but when we we want to hear from God and we're deciding to hear from God, for me, it's, it's getting into that divine image that he's made in me. In other words, it's connecting him to him a little bit that's in me, and just go to that true self, Just start really kind of pushing out all that junk of the things that I don't want to be and the things that I'm worried about and the things that I'm, you know, just always got something going on in my brain. Just really just dive deeper into myself. I really can be pretty assured I'm going to hear from God if I'll make that effort. But it's a vulnerable place. It's not as well visited of a place as I would like because it's hard. It's hard to just like, I think of it like actually going to a destination. Like, I've got to literally go there. Got to just go to this place. I'm not talking about like casually just, hey, guy, if you want to talk, I'm headed this way. No, let me go to that place, that deep place, and when I do that, I understand I got to go through a bunch. I got to go through some trouble. I got to go through some effort, and it 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 just takes time. I guess that's what I'm saying, to kind of just surrender myself, just brush it all about, about, uh, brush it apart from all the other stuff I'm doing, and honestly and just being really honest, is sometimes it's pretty risky to just really get serious and listen to God. And I'm not sure it's always what we're looking for, the answers that he has to say. And I'm not saying God's mean or scary or anything like that. It's just risky. It's just not actually like Man, I, you know, there's just something a little exciting and nervous about just staying there until God speaks. And then going, that was not what I was thinking at all. And it happens that way quite a bit. But the beautiful part is he's, he's always, when he does, he speaks to the real you. He speaks to the real me. He speaks to that inner person. And he speaks in love. It's never shaming, it's never condemning, it's always good, but I really think it just takes some time and effort to get there, I'm going to tell you three stories that I did press in about in my life, and kind of going to take a negative turn here for a minute, but I'll swing back to something a little more positive, but uh, all, all three of these stories have uh, some negative response from others when I thought I had heard from God. And uh, so you can start thinking about yourself and God right now. and You don't have to listen real hard here. Just let the story carry you into a space where maybe you can relate to what God wants to say to you. So long, long, long time ago, I met this cute 17-year-old. She's still cute. She's sitting over there. Yeah, there she is. (coughs) And she loved Jesus. Loved Jesus. And I was quite impressed. That and the pigtails. Um, I was Baptist, and she was Pentecostal. And we were both really young, 17 and 18. 18. And through the years, I began to uh, respond to the prayers of my wife to the Lord. She never bugged me, but she was very submitted. She went to that church about five years after we got married to my church and prayed, prayed, prayed that the Lord would open up my heart to the work of the Holy Spirit in a different dimension than I was taught. You know what it took? It took running into some people that were really cool and a lot more into Jesus than I was. That's what it took for me. That's what it took for me to even decide to talk to God about it. Because I had closed my mind off because I had been taught a certain way. Maybe something's happening in your mind right now. And boy, did I get some pushback when I accepted the fullness of the Holy Spirit into my life. Rumor got out. And uh, wow, I got made fun of. I was judged. I was criticized. I was sat down and told by a man I very, very much respected that you're joining a cult. Uh, it was all, I mean, I'm a young man. I'm in my early 20s. These are all the people that I've spent my Christian life with. They were shaming me and judging me, and I thought I had heard from God. And I'm like, what is this about? How does this world work? Where well, you're, I think you're hearing from God, but good, fine folk, we're saying you're not, and see, I discovered I wasn't really switching teams, but that's kind of the judgment I got. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, yeah, you yeah, you just switched teams on us, you know. And I was trying to merge the two. I was trying to have both sides, and it just it was very very difficult for a, a while. You know, it didn't manifest out in all the ways that were crazy necessarily, but in my head, in my mind, I, I, I struggled. The point I'd make about this is when I was at my worst trying to discern what was going on, I was hearing mentoring voices, elder voices, I I took in the spirit of gracious voices. Because I was in turmoil. And as I told you earlier, God really doesn't talk to us in shaming, condemning ways. And when Christian opinion comes with that, it, it is, it is something to consider. Where the grace leaves and the opinions and the stuff happens, and hey, this is real life. This is what happens to us Christians, to us as thinking that we might want to dig a little deeper into God. So then, at, moving moving on uh, to another story, uh, I'd had a couple runs of. Uh, running some businesses. Like, I started my first business at 17 and got ripped off really good and uh, had to start over and then um, started another one. Got ripped off really good and uh, had to take a break. (laughs) And uh, one of the guys that – I was working for, he did, He's not, He didn't rip me off, but one of the guys I was working for was over in old East Dallas, you know, when they were remodeling all the M streets and stuff back in the 70s. And they were buying and selling houses, and I was fixing them up. And he, uh, he, I was working at a paint store just trying to like, let me just tell you, I owed a bunch of money to that paint store because I couldn't pay the bills because people didn't pay me. And uh, long story, but went into the owner and, explained to him what's going on. I said, man, you just give me a job for a while. Let me just get my head straight. I will pay you back everything. And this is a good man. Now, this is the man that told me I was joining a cult, but this is a good man. <laughs> and uh, I wound up going in at night uh, with a couple of guys and painting the inside of stop and goes, kind of like 7-Elevens and painting the ceilings and, and uh, just carried all those checks to that guy and got him paid off. And Everything was good. But in the meantime, this guy had done a lot of work for. comes into the store, and he's like, hey, you, you want to do this job, this job? And I said, no, nah, you know, i got a job, and I can't do all that. And uh, I think we had our first child, Mandy. And uh, he said, well, I'd like for you to go to work for me. I've started a company, and uh, I've left Ace Heating and Air Conditioning, And as vice president, I'm going to start my own company, general contracting company. I'm going to do commercial stuff. And and I'm like, whoa, okay. So that didn't happen right off. I won't get into all the negotiations of that. but So finally it did happen. And because of all the hurt I had and mistrust, to move into this position, and I go to work for this guy, and I'm running a paint crew, and then I get taught how to build walls, hang doors, you know, hang ceilings, and you know, just build out spaces. And then uh, he has me running a few jobs, and he has me bidding a few jobs. In about three years, I'm the guy. This is a Martin Incorporated. It's a multi-million dollar company, and I'm number two. I'm over everybody other than the boss. And I'm like. How did this happen? I always thought I would work with my back in my hands. I started working in the fifth grade. And I just thought that was my destiny. And for in short, such a short time, in such a weird way to get beat up and beat up and wind up in a paint store making half what I was paying the guys I used to be working for me, to then, like, whew, was fabulous. <laughs> I was just like, I have hit the big time. I have a company vehicle, I have a credit card, I have a vacation, you know, I have a 40-hour check. I didn't imagine any of that, never grew up in that context. And um, so, you know, got it all wrapped up in my head. I have arrived, and uh, well, you know probably what happens. About seven years into this, God starts talking to me. In the meantime, Laura and I got really engaged into our church life, and we were going to a a denomination called Foursquare, and we went to a church here in Garland for 29 years. Um, But I got really involved, and to paint a quick picture, I got connected with the the man that was kind of like the bishop over a five-state area, and uh, he was supervisor. What do you want to call him? Anyway, he was just a man that loved people and just cared for all these pastors. And we had about 120 pastors in the, the five-state area. And he knew I could work. And we had a campground. And I was out there, you know, just putting this campground together with my back and my hands and g- gathering guys to come and just had some natural leadership abilities. And he's like, hey, what do you think about helping me get some men's ministry started? in these churches, and we'd have a men's retreat every year, and it started at about 75, and it was about 250 when I left. And I would run these retreats with a lot of help. But I ought to say, God was doing another thing in my spiritual life and in training me and maturing me to be something that I never thought I would be. And the two collided when he asked me, would you literally travel to these other towns and help get these started? And I was a 60, 70 hour week guy. You know, you get up at six, you get home at seven, driving to Irving, and, you know, every day you had 30 something guys that were trying to sort out, and just, you know, there was, it was no, no bandwidth left, you know. To think about leaving on a Friday afternoon, and anyway, so that went on for a while—the the courting, the the from from uh, Dr. Westbrook, and then me thinking about it, and I, and saying, "No, that's he's got the wrong guy. He's got the wrong guy." Never did talk to God about it. I just knew my circumstances were telling me. This godly man doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. (laughs) But God kept talking Kept opening up opportunities. And I'm just like, I'm too busy. So I'd test it out. I'd go. You know, I'd go to Midland. Spend the night at the pastor's house. And what would always happen was I would be sitting up in the night like, deep in the night sometimes, listening to these pastors. I mean, 28-year-old, 30-year-old, whatever. Listening to these pastors and just like, oh, my gosh, you know. They were able to bare their soul. I'm on their side. I'm trying to get their men's group started. And, you know, maybe we had a breakfast at the church that morning or maybe I spoke on Sunday or I don't know what. But what really was happening was I was connecting with all these pastors and just being an ear to these guys, an encourager. And so God started putting these guys on my heart. And it just kind of took the focus off of me. And the minute that happened, the focus left me. I saw differently. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm clutching and holding on to something that God gave me. I'm scared to death to let go of it because never thought I'd get it in the first place. But we're, we're at this point where just like, oh, no, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Right? So, yeah, man, it was a heavy time. Made all my excuses. The Lord started dealing with my pain and my fear. And my pain was the betrayal of people, including my dad. Uh, the fear was losing the career, uh, losing the dream. And the Lord just started dealing with that. It just didn't seem to be as big a deal. I don't know. I can't tell you how that happened. But it was because I began to think about other people and focus on these guys. I began to make plans to go see the next guy and go, you know, and hang out, and man, before I was over with, I was putting mission trips together every six months and going down to Mexico with these guys and, you know, just had plates spinning everywhere. Um, so I go in to tell my Baptist deacon boss that, who has given me everything in the world, great man, that I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, he didn't like he looked me square in the eye and said, I don't hear God saying that. If he had said that to you, he would have said it to me. (laughs) And uh, I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe it does work that way. I don't know, (laughs) you know, but I'm really feeling like he's saying it. (laughs) So he cried. He got mad. He cried, and he got mad again. And we we had a little rough day there called me in the office about three times processing that that day. I mean, I was a guy. I was a good employee. Sold out. Well, so I didn't have an option to make a living. I just decided I wasn't going to be there, so I could go do what I felt God was going to do. Well, one thing I didn't know how to do was work. So I took off, got a couple guys, and started another business. I mean, I'm telling you, I had swore I would never start another business. (laughs) There's no way in the world I would have done another business. So everything was really getting weird. And this is the crash of 86 in October. This is January of 87. There's no work. (laughs) We don't have a lot of money if I didn't have that. So we we got to learn a lot of things about Stretching and trusting and just clawing. Uh, There was so much growth during that time. But my question would be, how do you hold on to these things, these deep things in your heart, when common sense really would tell you differently? And maybe even your influencers, maybe even these people you've trusted and you've known or like questioning. Eh, Did God really say that? It was a very interesting time for me because I didn't run out and get the big blessing. It didn't come in any kind of money form. It came with a lot of pressure, a lot of doubt, a lot of just tough stuff. But somewhere in there, I I just started to. Keep telling myself, God told me to do this. God told me to do this. And it wasn't magical. I mean, just mustering it up. God told me to do this, you know. Um, but somewhere in there, you know, you see something in Scripture about this high calling. And that's what I felt. I felt like God said, you've got a high calling. I just remember those words. I didn't even know what that meant. I wasn't sure I even had an A calling. this was a high one. Just like, But it, I, I got that in my head, this high calling, you know, pressed towards this high calling of God. And so I just kind of ran with that. And as time went on, I just began to have these beautiful encounters with all of these servants of God across the five-state area and was blessed and... Oh, my gosh, the Lord used me in a ton of ways. Uh, but it was through a really awkward surrender. Let me tell you, it, didn't, it wasn't smooth, brother. It wasn't smooth at all. <laughs> but it, it came out. I mean, I, he had to take my fingers off of that thing on one finger at a time to get me to to a place of abundance, a place of goodness, and oh, my gosh. If you, if you told me, well, I mean, that sounds silly, but there's no way, first of all, that you, I would ever went back in business, and there's no way I would have ever thought, okay, you're going to quit a really good job. You're going to wind up making five or six times that. There's no way. I didn't deserve that. I didn't think about it. I didn't nobody ever told me that would happen. That was the high calling. I didn't know. I couldn't imagine. I didn't I didn't make all that happen. I surrendered to something that was pretty difficult. And God took care of the rest. And then, you know, I've stewarded it along the way. The Lord and I have done a lot together, but it it's uh <laughs> Wasn't a, it wasn't my five-year plan at all. It wasn't anything to do with me. Okay, third story. In the early 2000s, um, so anyway, really think about, well, you know. Think about it. In the early 2000s, uh, I was able to, uh, through, through the guy that uh, initiated Laundry Love, uh, Greg Ressinger, I was able to meet... I would say 90% of the guys that were uh, forming the emergent church movement uh, through some different connections and symposiums and things, and you know, we'd get these guys in the room, and uh, we, I would go, and there'd be 50 to 150 attendees for three years in a row out in Ventura, and we'd have all the artists, all the thinkers, all the you know, the writers and the voices of the day uh, talking about this emerging church and, uh, you know, what, what are we going to do with post-modernity, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, really, so for anybody that's not like, oh, yeah, it, culture changed and the church resisted it, resisted changing. What we just did this morning and looking around this room, back in the day, even in a full gospel church, would be very strange to have people jumping up here, telling stories, interacting, art on the wall, people dancing. That's not the church rule. So, as things culture changed, the, there were guys just like, the church has got to, you know, we've got to come up with some new language, we've got to come up with a new way to communicate to people, let's take a look, not everybody's crashing in the doors to come in here, what are we going to do? So, obviously, if you've been in a church 29 years, you you kind of know what's going on, and I did, and I'm kind of getting all this West Coast Voices, coming back to Texas, and they're not even talking about this stuff. And um, so much happened over uh, a few years there. And <laughs> you, you think that God does something really awesome in your life, you know, really teaches you something that's just like, oh, man, that is so good. It's life-changing. It's, it's going to be so good, Right? Well, you think that when you get that, that you just would just share that with everybody. <laughs> Not really <laughs> Most people didn't like it. Most people were really happy having church just like they were. And they weren't really interested in my side of the story. And uh, I don't let my. Paper. Boy, that hurt. I'll be honest with you. I've been hurt a few times, but that one hurt. I love these people, taught their kids, been their elder, been everything in the world to them, and just, ugh. So I had a little bit of a platform because all I was doing with the men, and so I was connected with, you know, all these other pastors and all this stuff. And so I, I decided to go with a buddy of mine and we go down to Deep Ellum and we start a church. And word spread quickly that Max and his buddy had went off the deep end <laughs> and are down preaching the gospel of welcome and weren't following any of the church rules. And uh, boy, the slander was rough. It was, it was really rough. And I got into a few heated discussions after I kind of got my fill of it. And to be fair to my critics, I was a little overzealous. I mean, I was a little immature at times, but it was like when I would get challenged, you know. So uh, it's nothing like, I heard you were doing this, or, you know, come on, man. Come on. So, uh, and Adam and Tanae were down there uh, kind of after the end of that while we were still. But the front front part of that was pretty rough. So how do we hold on to this ferocious love of God that starts boiling up in our spirit towards his people that have been left out? How do we hold on to that when he slings us into all these uncomfortable conversations, all of these doubters, all these naysayers, but you know God's put that in your heart. And even, even then, how do you hold on to that? Because it gets rough. It gets really, really rough. I. Even if it's not about me or you trying to do something special, it's about... I'm gonna say this, I don't have this written down. I need to think about this. The very, the very environment that God helps us, that God is involved in, the very environment that we we cultivate, that we right here, this environment that God has helped us with, that we're partaking in, is not necessarily holy ground tomorrow. Not necessarily. Because God keeps talking. The earth keeps changing. And when we fall in love with ourselves and what we're doing, the sentimentally nice, cozy as that feels, there's something wrong with it. And I don't, I, maybe I'll come back sometime and just talk about all the things that are wrong with that. (laughs) I don't want to unpack that right now. But there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with not always being welcoming to those that are on the outside. Anytime we're more interested in recovering the chairs than we are bringing somebody to Christ. You know, that kind of thing. That's kind of where I'm blowing smoke right now. Um. Huh. But have you ever mourned the loss of friends or family by decisions you made because God led you that way? I, I just feel like we have. There's this. You know, and and maybe you can't even identify it so strongly as God told me this, but you've made decisions in your life that your friends or your family are like, "Eh, that's not cool, or, well, you're a whatever, you know. It happens. But you know. You've got something there. So this woman was brutal on me. And I would fast forward and tell you how thankful I am that I'm sitting right here today um, with this family of people. Yeah, I look around the room and I'm like, yeah. I won't go there either for a minute. So. Um, but to try to not get distracted with all the noise of the critics or opinions or whatever and to stay focused when God says something to us. If you can do that, I, it, it can, it, I think it just kind of sends us into another stratosphere of obedience. But it's the checkpoint to see if you are going to obey. If you surrender to the voices if you start buddying up to the people and pleasing them and instead of moving into what God's calling you to, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, I think that's the checkpoint. Like, once you make that commitment, I just remember, man, I, I just thought, wow, I'm really in this now. I'm not just sitting here talking about emerging Doctrine or practology or any of that kind of stuff. I am committed to doing it differently so that it makes a difference in someone else's life and not just make us the most comfortable who already know Christ. That's what was happening. God was asking me to be a little unselfish. And he knew the strings to pull. The enemy knew the strings to pull. Oh, well, see how well you like being talked about. See how well you like being criticized. See how well you like people that are much smarter than you telling you, no, no, that's not the way you do it. All of that. So sometimes just talking about stuff, you just don't get away with that. Sometimes you get right in the middle of it, and then you understand, you know. Maybe you start out talking about it. All right, I promise some scripture. Come up. You put that up for me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So peace I leave with you. It's my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. (laughs) So, a couple days ago, Laura and I were discussing, I guess it was Friday. Yeah, it was. I got the call on Friday. And I said, uh, Jordan liked like for me to talk about just hearing from God, walking in the spirit, all that. And she shared the story of this guy that had shared something that she had heard and it. And he says, You know, if you can't hear from God, just do something. Just do something. Just do something godlike. Hand out a sandwich. Do something. And I really like that. Just do something. Get in the flow of who God is and what He's about. He'll start talking if you're interested. So if you ever just get clogged, just do something that looks like maybe something God would think of, and you'd probably be all right. I thought it was pretty good advice. Um, I don't always enjoy or appreciate things she tells me about people who say stuff on TV, but that one I liked. Sorry, Laura. Why did I do that? (laughs) So, I really like that understanding that when we get engaged with the ways of Jesus, He, Jesus, will teach us all things by His Spirit. Jump in there and He Teaches teach us all things by his spirit. So there was a guy back in the 5th century, um, name was uh, St. Benedict. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him. I know he was a Catholic reformer. He was trying to change things in the day. And um, he was best known, or one of the things he was best known as, uh, for was establishing rules for the monks in the uh, nuns in Europe back in that time, uh, and it caught on. It was pretty um, pretty good stuff, and I, I, I ran across a quote uh, very, right in the very first part of the rule, and it says, listen carefully, my daughter, my son, to my instructions, and attend to them With the ear of your heart. So listen carefully and attend to them with the ear of your heart. It's pretty crazy that this guy writes like this historical thing, and the first word is listen. It's not love, it's not, you know, it's listen. Yeah, so the ear of your heart suggestion is, is not passive in my mind. I'm kind of going off to my own opinion here, but I don't always listen with the ear of my heart. I don't know about you, but it sounds like going back to what I was talking about originally, it sounds like a lot of work. You got you to get to that place where you're listening uh, so it just it, it just it calls us out to just be inclined, you know what I'm saying? You just meet people that are inclined to be a certain way. just be inclined to listen, listen with the ear of your heart, and it, it's it's something we would would probably nurture uh because I don't think it's real natural uh, and i I'm, I'm on that. I'm, I'm going to work on that. I just thought, think about something you own that is you, not some possession, but something you have worked at, something that maybe it's a God thing or maybe it's not, but you just kind of own it. That's what I just thought about when I was thinking about that. I'd like to own that. I'd like to, that to be me, to be a listener, to be a listener with the ear of my heart. Because once that happens, it it just causes me to get rid of my self-obsessions. I can't listen really good to God with all of my Self obsessions in the way. Um, if I'm busy paying 100% to me, <laughs> it, the conversations with God are really difficult. I just don't. <laughs> There's something about God interested in others more than he's interested in me being interested in me. Yeah, and so the conversations usually wind back up there. <laughs> Even if I'm like, oh, woe is me, Lord, today my back really hurts. Whatever, you know, it's just like sooner or later you get back around to others. And I, I had a call from a friend the other day, an old friend, and uh, he said, man, God's been really good to me in the last couple of years, and I just want to, to, to help somebody. And so I called you because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But I know I want to help somebody. And I know you can help me help somebody. Well, there's a lot in that statement, but what I heard was, God's talking to me. And I heard, I want to not just hear him, I want to obey him. I want to do something about what he's saying. Then I heard, I know I need the help of others to make this happen. And I thought, well, you know, that's pretty solid, too. Those three things are kind of the pattern, the way that God kind of works with us, Uh, at least for me. You have to position yourself to be in the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and get in his way. Let him run over you with a little goodness. So somewhere in there, you're going to have to engage and get ready for the goodness. So we can hear from God these stories I'm telling you. We can hear his voice. And then we can hear from God because other people have heard from God. And they tell us. And when we're listening attentively, that's when we get a chance to, to you know, really get a, a response. And the response is always action. Um, <laughs> and by the way, you know, it's not just sort of sitting around listening to God. He usually wants something to happen. He wants something good to happen to you. Is that Oral Roberts? Um, Think about I positioned myself to be in that flow, and I truly listened to this person that called, and I just now get to enjoy the goodness of God towards somebody else. That's pretty cool. I didn't generate that. I positioned myself to be the kind of person that He would call, and now I'm enjoying the fruits of the goodness of God through this guy to somebody else. And it's pretty stinking cool. All right. So, listening cracks open this door of obedience. Listen. There's obedience. And I sometimes get this really good feeling around here a clear path when we are hearing from God and we together are walking in this obedience I mean it's solid it's so solid when you are walking in obedience together and you know that you're putting a smile on God's face as his people. You've listened and you've responded with obedience. And it's it's not that quit doing it obedience. It's that get to do it obedience, you know, that one, where God's just waiting to get us to these places where we can more enjoy his goodness and more bless others because he's good. Almost through. So there's a book that uh, I read, an author I like. Uh, The book is Falling Forward. If you're going to fall, let's go ahead and go that way. Um, And it's by Richard Rohr. He's a Catholic writer. And and this book is so good because it it teaches... uh, this observation that life is in two parts. There's the first half of life, and there's a second half of life. And the the first half of life's all about us. It's getting your stuff together. It's building this skeletal framework of what you're going to look like as a useful human being, what your family's going to be, what your character's going to be, Maybe, you know, you're going to develop some qualities and just kind of getting it together. Now, honestly, you can do this at 30 or at 80. You could still be in the first half. It's not about age. And quite honestly, I think the church, this my opinion, comes from a long time ago, but I think there's still some truth to it. A lot of churches are still in the first half of life. First half of life, they're still trying to get themselves together. Week after week after week, they're working on their character. They're working on their relationship with God. They're working on this, and maybe we'll go do a little something else for somebody else when we get it right. Not clear path. I'm just saying. There's churches out there that you can't get them off of self focus. Because it's really a comfortable place to be in. Second halfers are people that have built this framework in their life that things can be poured into their life. It's strong. It's, it's, it's a container. And God can start pouring some things into their life and allowing them to be more useful human beings to others, so to speak. Um. All right. So, I think second halfers is when we become aware of others more we're kind of done with fixing ourselves up worrying about how we look how we smell and we moved on and we're seeing others clearer God's able to do something with that, but I think when it comes to listening to God and talking to God, sometimes we fall into that first part of life mentality. Goes back to me. Goes back to, oh, fix this today, Lord. Oh, sorry about that one today, God, and we we do that. We. We hang out in first-life mentality a lot when we're really second-life people, but we haven't really worked our prayer life to that place. And that's okay. We have to learn. We have to be encouraged. We We have to figure that out together. How do we spur one another on to good works? How do we live life together in community and commonality that makes sense once we're in that stage. I think that's the true goal of religion, is to, like, find God in in, in people, in our prayer, to get those things, like, just working, I'm really learning more and more about that. It's like there's a much deeper connection with God for me if I'm there on the behalf of others. I don't know why that is. It may not be that way with you. But, man, I can go deep, deep if I am interceding for somebody else. I, I just tend to throw off my narcissism and dive in there and hope and believe for my little grandbabies or my daughters or my friends or my pastors or my worship leaders or whatever it is, there's something that's just so heartwarming for me, and I do believe for God when I get into that position. And he's going to talk to you. He's going to take care of you. He always has, always will. You're going to get your stuff, but it's a byproduct of believing that we're a part of a whole. And that's where I'm going to land. When we learn that truth, and that truth takes us to Deeper places of commitment to each other. Deeper places of worship. Deeper places of intercession. Deeper places of just hanging out, fellowshipping. When we get that it's not me and God, it's you, me, and God. We really get it. It's very gratifying that we're being held together. I, you know, it's kind of double meaning: held together. God is holding us together, but we're held together by the love of Christ. That last uh, scripture was verse 27. It says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. And neither let you be afraid.